You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. You're listening to episode 154 of the Well Woman podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in for another beautiful episode. You have no idea how much I love recording these episodes and how much joy I get out of interviewing all of our beautiful guests. Now, today's episode is all about cyclical eating and cooking with Devon and Jenna from the Moon Cycle Bakery. Now, cyclical eating is something that was really important for me when I started the menstrual cycle journey myself back in 2013, 2014. This particular experience helped me really adapt my eating and I reduced and removed restrictive eating and I started to really enjoy different foods at different stages of my cycle. This really helped with my own personal journey of healing PCOS and really moving towards having a healthy cycle after coming off the pill for after being on the pill for 12 years. So cyclical eating is something that I find is the foundation in starting to live in a cyclical way. It's the best place to start because you already eat food. So naturally just changing a few things around the way that you're eating can really have a dramatic effect on your menstrual cycle. So it's like you're not having to do anything different or anything extra. Instead, you're just making a few alterations here and there. And this can really help your cycle. So our guests today have co-created and authored the Moon Cycle Cookbook. So Jenna herself is a holistic nutritionist, recipe developer, and the founder of Jenna B Basics. Starting her menstrual cycle and developing acne at a very young age has led Jenna on decades-long search for answers. Now, she ultimately found relief through intuitive eating, living in sync with her cycle, and intentional self-care. Then we have Devon, the co-author, along with Jenna, who is a writer, author, and the founder of the Moon Cycle Bakery, a wellness-based business that focuses on the menstrual cycle and creates sweet treats and food-related products to help support women hormonally, spiritually, and emotionally. Yes, did you hear that? There is a bakery out there that is completely focused on the moon cycle. I want one of these in my hometown. She also likes to share thoughts and experiences, particularly as a mother, on her social media accounts, to help guide women through their menstrual cycle and also how to cook and eat in tune with their menstrual cycle. So today, these two ladies are guiding us through what cyclical eating is. So we're going to be talking about eating in tune with each of the different four phases of your cycle. Jenna guides us specifically to what core nutrients are important in each of the different four phases. We talk about premenstrual cravings. We chat about taking shame out of eating and how we can actually reduce restriction and embrace different types of food at different phases of our cycle. And then, of course, we wrap it up with chatting about cyclical food rituals. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did chatting with both Devon and Jenna. I took away so many new notes around cyclical eating that I'm really looking forward to tuning in and applying to my own menstrual cycle. Now, if you want to go and check out the book that they have created, I highly recommend you can head to mooncyclebakery.com to pick up the book. Use the code WELSOME20 to save 20% off your own cookbook. Today's episode is brought to you by my five-day Love Your Cycle mini course. Are you new to getting to know your own menstrual cycle? Would you like to understand it in a better way and know how to live as a cyclical woman? Well, this is the simplified self-paced course for you. It teaches you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in under a week. Receive daily educational class videos and audios along with the action steps, a cycle tracking guide, cycle prompts, and my Love Your Cycle 50-page ebook and audiobook. This is your chance to discover everything you wish they had taught you at school about your cycle, how to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and cycle science before they arise. It's now your turn to join over 500 women from all over the world who have taken this course to reclaim and reconnect with their bodies. And you can do this too in under a week for less than a fancy vegan burger. To learn more, visit wellsome.com forward slash shop. And to thank you for being a listener of the show, use the code cycle love to save 20% off. Devon, Jenna, welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Thank you so much for having us here, Gemma. We're so excited. I'm excited too. Thank you, Jenna. We are talking all about cyclical eating, cyclical eating tips, habits, why that's important today. 
Um, and now before we jump into it, I'd love to learn from both of you. What day of your cycle is it and what are you, how are you checking in and feeling in this moment? So we'll kick off with you, Jenna, and then we'll come to you, Devin. Yeah. So I'm on day 16 of my cycle and I just, um, I use the fertility awareness method. So I was just recording my cervical fluid and my temperature just bumped this morning, actually. So I'm like right in the ovulation window and I'm feeling good. Um, this is our second podcast in a week. And then I also did a guest lecture. So it's been really fun to like do those things while I'm in this energetic time. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I'm feeling like good energy. I'm feeling connected within my brain and excited to be here with both of you. I'm also day 16. So I'm feeling all those vibes with you. So thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I was like, she's saying she's checking in for me right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. Uh, what about you, Devin? Whereabouts are you in your cycle and how are you checking in? I am day 19 and I am starting to feel that shift from, um, that like those summer vibes of ovulation and starting to feel like I'm heading into my luteal phase for sure. Um, more so emotionally, but also physically, I notice that I don't want to exercise as vigorously. Um, and I notice that I just want to slow down, read my book, be present a lot more than I was say a few days ago. So that's kind of fun. I like feeling this, the change in seasons. I love that too. Um, Jenna, that's where we're heading. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's <laughs> so that, we're all really close. <laughs> we are. We are very much all in like yeah. a, sim- a similar cusp, which is beautiful. Technically, for you, I'd be day 17 because you're over in yeah, America and I'm in Australia. But anyway, <laughs> we're, all te- we're all very similar. So thank you so much for sharing. Now, I want to jump in and just jump into the topic of cyclical eating, but I think it's really important for everyone to understand like who are we listening to? So Devin, I'll come to you first. I know you and Jenna both do some work together and have just published a book together, but who are you, Devin? And what is it that you do? And how did you get into the work of like menstrual cycles? And then I'll come to you, Jenna, and we'll ask the same question. I love this question. So hi, I'm Devin. I am the founder of Moon Cycle Bakery and I'm the co-author of the Moon Cycle Cookbook. I got into the world of the menstrual cycle in a very roundabout way. For me, it really stemmed from this feeling of feeling disempowered. Um, So coming from a place of, um, since I was young, having intense cramps, um, symptoms that I just didn't quite have a whole lot of knowledge around how to navigate um, all the way through ruptured ovarian cysts and um, basically being told the only thing I could do is be on birth control, which I had tried previously and it just, I didn't feel great. So it, it took one doctor to really validate all of this. And she told me, she understood I was basically trading in one set of symptoms for another and to just listen to my body. Um, and that was the first time that I felt like I was capable of doing that. And so I went down this road um, into nutrition, into what thriving, not only in my body, but in my cycle looked like. And um I noticed a lot of people, a lot of menstruators around me were feeling disempowered as well. So Moon Cycle started from this place of wanting to create awareness, education, and accessibility to all of that um, for people who were also struggling while trying to find a relationship with our cycle and with ourselves within that cycle. Oh, I love that. Trying to find a relationship with yourself and your cycle. It's like just that line alone. This is so powerful. Thank you for sharing. I love how everyone has their own personal journey that gets them there. Now you've actually got a bakery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh so, God. yeah. And that's like, I just, my husband's a chef um, right. and I was raised baking with my, both my grandmas. So for me, that's comfort making food for others, but especially like baked things. What a great combo team you and your husband are then. <laughs> yeah, we're lucky. Um, what about you, Jenna? How did you get into the world of menstrual cycles and helping and co-authoring this book? Yeah, so I started my period when I was just nine years old, and that was like very emotionally challenging. And also physically, I um, had really intense cramps. Like I would stay home from school. One time I was crying in my English class in high school on the floor and my teacher was like, you need to go home. Um, I had really severe acne and I 
struggled with that for decades. And then it wasn't until I was on birth control from like 17 to 21 years old and my symptoms kind of subsided, but then I learned about cycle thinking. I learned about what my menstrual cycle was actually supposed to be like. And at that point I decided, well, I don't, I want to learn more about my body. I want to feel more empowered. And I want to work through that shame that I had when I was nine years old. So I learned a ton about nutrition, about cycle thinking, and I felt good again. I felt really incredible in my body and that helped inspire me to use my nutrition education to help others. So since then I've done like nutrition coaching, personal chefing, and then I interned with Devin at Moon Cycle Bakery and that's how we met. And then we decided to create this book together. Um, so it's been a really wild ride and I'm just so grateful for the challenges that I experienced because they helped get me here to where I am today. I love that you guys have worked together in the bakery um, and you're like one menstruating at nine is not even just an emotional, you know, change and shift. It's, I could imagine, you know, in the era that we've grown up in, you probably didn't really think it was going to come that early or maybe hadn't even been fully educated about it. And I think this is why the work that we do is so important to like educate much younger because the girls as young as seven menstruate these days. I've met girls in the schools that I teach in that at seven, I'm like, they're still babies kind of. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, so thank you so much for sharing for both of you, um, your journeys and how you got to here. Now let's talk about cyclical eating. Like I know that you have really um, connected with the way of cyclical eating and obviously working together in the bakery has helped that a lot. But when it comes to cyclical eating, I'll come to you first, Jenna. What is cyclical eating and why do you feel it's so important for menstruators to really adapt a way of cyclical eating? I think what was missing for me, um, understanding about my menstrual cycle was that it impacts everything. It's not just you get your period once a month and then it's over and then you wait for the next one. Every day we are fluctuating. Our hormones are on this ebb and flow and those, our hormones affect everything from our sleep, our energy levels, as well as our nutritional needs. And Devin has recognized that through Moon Cycle Bakery and created these treats to help support those hormonal and nutritional shifts. And then we decided like, well, what do people need to eat throughout the entire day? You know, like what kind of breakfast, what kind of lunch, um, what nutrients are we missing in those different phases and how can we best support that? And I just hope that people can understand that it's okay to accept those ebbs and flows. And like you were saying before we started recording, eating smoothies is not always the best every single day. You know, like it's, it's natural to crave different foods at different times of the month. And once you understand what those physiological changes are, then you'll start to notice, oh, I'm, in, I'm on my period. Now I'm craving soups and stews and really grounding foods, or I'm ovulating, it's time for a big salad. So I think it just really adds another layer of connection to us understanding our bodies and our cycles. Oh, I love that. And we did, I did mention about smoothies before we hit record. <laughs> and that's, I was just saying, because the girls both are based out of America and I live in Australia in a tropic area that we have warm weather year round pretty much. And so people drink smoothies all the time. And I used to be one of those people. And I think what a lot of women do, and I, this is a bit of a trend in the gender for women, is that like, oh, what's the next best thing you can do for your body and your health with food? So let's just do that trend and then let's move to the other trend. And if I think about trends, you know, even from working as a nutritional science formulator, you know, we went through the fat-free trend. And, you know, there was a big change around that era, around the 80s. And then we went, um, you know, calorie counting. And then it moved to, you know, paleo. And then it moved to like juicing and then fasting and then water fasting. And then it was like, it's just veganism. And it's just constantly being like, this is the next best thing. And I, I'll never forget, to go on a little rant about smoothies, when I was working in um, the warehouse for manufacturing for food, when acai powder was, you know, first came out of the Amazon and this guy came in and he's like, I've got this berry and I, I can freeze dry it and I'd like to make a raw food bar. And from that point on, it was just like everyone wanted a smoothie bowl and all of a sudden everyone was having smoothie bowls every day. And I was like, 
when I learned that this is not good Ayurvedically for your body, I was like, how do people not know about this? Um, what about you, Devin? What's been your experience with cyclical eating and why do you think it's so important for menstrual cycle support and healthy cycles? Yeah, I think to piggyback on what Jenna is saying too, menstrual health, I just read this somewhere, but basically it's like a report card for your, you know, your overall health. Um, so to me, that is like, that's very powerful and very impactful. Um, so with cyclical eating, the way that I look at it is you're basically like coming home to yourself in a certain way. This is how our body operates. You are acknowledging that you have ebbs and flows and that you are not always in one place all the time. And I feel like exactly like you're saying, in, in, it can wear at our body, you know, not being in, not honoring a cycle just wears down on our bodies. So honoring cyclical eating, whether, you know, in whatever fashion that is, whether that is that you're like, oh, I want soups around my menstrual cycle, or whether you're like, I'm going to slow down because I'm in my luteal phase. It's just a way of being in tune with, with what's already at bay. And that's where the trends fall off because you don't need anything to be whole or be better or anything. You already have everything inside of you. It's like, you're a well-versed system. We just need to come back and acknowledge and celebrate that. Um, and, I, and there's just something so powerful to me in that. We, we do have all the wisdom and knowledge that we need. And I think menstrual cycle education is, is a remembering, you know, we all yes. have it. We just have just been disconnected with it and it's been disconnected for, you know, a number of generations and centuries now. And I'm sure you guys feel like that with your own cycle knowledge is like, this just makes so much sense. And I feel like my body remembers this. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I love yeah. that remembering. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. I'd love to talk about what you would recommend in terms of eating for each of the four phases. So we'll kick it off with like menstruation. Um, I'd love to hear from you first, Jenna, like with menstruation, what foods do you think are the best aligned foods for eating in this particular phase? So first I'll talk about like cooking methods. Cause I think that's a good place. Oh, this to is start. a great question. Yes. That's a, that's yeah, a good place so- to start. <laughs> And I think it depends. Like one big thing that Devin and I talk about is we don't like to be dogmatic or prescriptive. So great. I'm going to say, you know, it's great to reach for warm grounding foods during your menstrual phase when you're on your period. But if you are somewhere tropical and it's hot and that's like the last thing you want, then eat whatever feels good to you. So these are just suggestions and everybody can tailor them to their you know, their lifestyle and where they live and the season, the physical season they're in. But that's what I gravitate towards in my menstrual phase is soups, stews, casseroles, um, chilies, really warm grounding foods and specific nutrients to focus on. Um, the biggest one, there's two that I'll touch on for the menstrual phase, but magnesium, this is a mineral that is used in hundreds of processes in our body. And many of us are deficient in them in magnesium. So it's essential for the production of both estrogen and progesterone. And in our menstrual phase, those hormones are at their lowest. So it's a time that we can really boost our magnesium intake. And some foods that contain um, lots of magnesium are chocolate, dark chocolate, specifically avocados, brown rice, chickpeas, nuts, and leafy greens. And the second nutrient for the menstrual phase is iron. So if this is so near and dear to my heart, I've always been pretty chronically low in iron. And if you're someone who has lots of fatigue or heavy periods, then you might want to talk to your doctor about your iron levels. And um, in the meantime, you can reach for iron rich foods like beef or hazelnuts, lentils, tofu, and quinoa. Um, you also can cook in cast iron skillets, which will actually, which will transfer some of that iron to your food, which I think is so incredible and like a pretty accessible, easy thing to do. So that's, those are some brief tips about the menstrual phase and how you can eat for that. I love like soups and stews. And I love that you mentioned that, um, especially how you were like, oh, let's start with how you cook the food because often it's not always what you're eating, it's how you cook it or how you prepare it and then how you eat it that's most important as opposed to what you're eating. So mm-hmm. I like thank you for, for adding that in. Um, yeah. Hell yes to chocolate. It makes so much sense. I'm always <laughs> uh-huh. like 
the clients, it's not about avoiding chocolate. Chocolate's not your enemy. It's how you're eating right. the chocolate and the type of chocolate you're eating. So totally, Devin, totally. Yeah. I'm sure in your bakery, you have chocolate things for the winter phase of your cycle. Is that right? We do. So we have, um, we have three types of chocolate cups and they're all made with uh, cacao. We, with our honey cups, we have honey, um, coconut butter, and we have a peppermint one. Um, so to also help with any nausea or, you know, uh, some people experiencing um, like an upset stomach around their periods. And we also have one just because it's delicious with gluten-free pretzels. Um, that one's amazing. But yeah, that's, those are big. We, we sell all of those around the menstrual phase. And we also have a sweet potato brownie, but we actually keep that uh, for the luteal phase, which I'm sure Jenna will get into at some point. But um, yeah, chocolate just makes the world go round. It totally does. And they sound delicious, by the way. And gluten-free. I've been gluten-free for two decades. And amazing. that is, yeah, long time. And so I'm like, I'm always like, is there any gluten-free stuff? So thank yeah. you. That's awesome. I'm right there with you. Um, so tell me, what about, um, Devin, for you, in a spring, how do you like to cook your food in a spring? What do you recommend? And, um, and then when it comes to the types of food, what do you recommend for this, you know, follicular, you know, start of the yang phase of our cycle? Yeah. So for spring, I'm always, um, I can tell when I'm starting to get into my follicular and um, ovulation phase because I want to cook less. Like if I am cooking, it's going to be like lightly sauteed or steamed. Um, I'm starting to move into that place where I do want more greens or, um, or like smoothies or something to that degree. I'm moving away from the, not only the warmer, but like the spicier stuff. Like I find during my menstrual and my luteal phase, I want more like turmeric's and gingers. Whereas when I'm in my follicular, um, and ovulation phase, I, I just feel, I want to feel a bit lighter. Um, Jenna, you can probably explain much better than I can what exactly is happening in the follicular phase to kind of start bringing on that feeling of, it's almost like a shedding, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in the follicular phase, our estrogen is starting to rise and that contributes to feeling more energetic. And like you mentioned, not wanting to spend so much time in the kitchen potentially. And this is a great time to support our gut microbiome in um, proper elimination through our bowels. So cooking our foods lightly, like steaming or sauteing is great because it helps break down those foods just a bit. And it takes some pressure off of your GI tract. So you're kind of pre-digesting them when you're cooking it. And then your uh, gut gets a little break. Um, we recommend to reach for sprouted foods in the follicular phase. So that's taking any nut, seed, grain, or legume and soaking it in water until it sprouts. So that varies depending on the food, but it's anywhere from like 12 to 36 hours. And doing this makes those, um, makes those foods easier to digest. It starts to break them down as well. And then we also recommend fermented foods. So these contain probiotics, which are so essential for our gut microbiome, as well as our serotonin production. I think it's 90 to 95% of our serotonin is actually made in our gut, which blew my mind when I learned that. So you want to be feeding your gut constantly with these healthy probiotics. And you can find that in foods like kimchi, sauerkraut, yogurt, kefir, kombucha, anything fermented. Yeah. So that's the follicular phase. Amazing. I love fermented foods. I actually so just good. two days. I just yesterday, actually, I finished the fermentation of my homemade sauerkraut and I had to remake it because I had two liters of freshly made. I don't, I don't know what that converts to in America, but two big jars mm -hmm. of freshly made sauerkraut. My partner came home from being away from for six weeks, opened the fridge and knocked them on the floor. And oh, they just no. shattered it. And I was like, <laughs> it's freshly made. I haven't even eaten any of it. So um, yeah, fermented, fermented foods are definitely a go in our household. And I love that. And it's great because you can make them at home and you can sprout your own things at home, which is really, really mm -hmm. good. Totally. Yeah. Um, Devin, is there any particular meals that you like eating in your spring phase or you like making in the spring phase? Yeah, actually, I really love, um, this might sound strange, but I love, I love scrambles. Like I'm a, mm. I'm a big scramble person. So in the morning, I'll usually make 
scrambles with like lightly sauteed mushrooms, spinach, um, tomatoes. I actually will take chop up tomatoes and I will um, put them in olive oil with some salt and truffle oil. So good. And then I just put those on top um, with sometimes I get um, like microgreens. So I'll throw them on and then I, but I love adding kimchi. It's, it's so yep. strange, but I love eggs with kimchi. It's like the only so way good. I really love to eat it. Um, you know, unless I'm eating like Asian inspired foods, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of my favorites in my follicular phase. Definitely adding in some more ferments there, which is good. Um, yeah. It's an interesting taste of eggs with anything added to it. And then kimchi. I actually feel like that's something in Australia that a number of people do. Um, but awesome. I, I love ferment, I love ferments on like everything. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's so good. Um, it really is delicious. So let's um, come to you, Jen, and we'll talk about the ovulation window, the, the summer phase, which is quite a short, it's the shortest aspect of our cycle. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend nutritionally at this particular time that we could focus on for cyclical phase eating? Yeah, so our energy is the highest in our ovulation phase generally. Again, it varies um, from person to person. But in this window, we can focus on supporting our liver detox pathways. So because that estrogen was building up leading up to ovulation, it's important to just support our body's natural detoxification pathways, because if we have an excess buildup of estrogen, then we that can result in negative symptoms like bloating or breast tenderness or just other period related pain. So eating foods to help your liver, um, that includes cruciferous vegetables. That's probably my number one tip during ovulation. And you also going back to cooking methods, you can lightly steam or saute or just eat raw vegetables and fruits because they're quick, they're vibrant and fresh. And that's generally what we're craving during this time. So our cruciferous vegetables are kale, broccoli, cauliflower, mustard greens, bok choy, things like that. And they are so incredible. They're a nutritional powerhouse. And they, as they break down in our gut, they release a compound called indole-3-carbinol. And that um, actually helps our liver increase its estrogen breakdown by up to 50%. So it's incredible just to add this one food group that's so versatile, so delicious, and like there's so many options can have such a big impact on our ovulation phase such a big impact and I think something that's really great about Chris's vegetables is they can be used in lots of different ways oh my gosh they don't like they're so versatile you can have um for Christmas because you know Christmas was just recently I made a raw broccoli cranberry Mm. salad and oh my god it was so so good oh my god I was like I'm gonna I'm going to put that on my summer list for summer, for summer food. Yeah. Um, it was really easy to make. And it just, I wanted something that was like Christmassy colors, hence the cranberry. Yeah, I love that. The broccoli. <laughs> um, and it was so easy and delicious and such a yummy thing, even though it was raw broccoli. Most people are like, oh, I wouldn't eat raw broccoli. It'd have to be um, boiled or sauteed or stir fried or but, um, but that's awesome. What about for you, Devin? Is there any particular meals that you love making or baking at this particular time for your summer phase? Well, broccoli is actually my go-to vegetable always. I mean, it, it's, I think it's my favorite vegetable. And it's, oh, cool. I love that you, that you experiment with it raw. I've learned that to, to do that because of my husband, who's a chef. And I feel like that's actually the really fun part about um, being in these different seasons is that you can experiment so much because you're, because it is cyclical. So like when you get back here and you're like, well, I don't really want to do my broccoli. Like I usually cook it. Like, well, here's an opportunity to cut it up and put it in a salad or like we've cut it up and just put it raw in smoothies. And that's been really good. Um, my favorite way is honestly to like char it. I just, it gets so sugary. Like it brings out all the sugar. So I will just put olive oil in a pan with salt and pepper until it's like nice and crispy and it's amazing. Um, my, my two-year-old will eat it. He'll, he loves broccoli too. And that's, I think that's why it's just, yeah, it's so delicious anyway, but when you cook it in so many different ways, it's just so fun. You never get bored of it. Well, let's hope there's never a broccoli shortage or you can grow your own broccoli. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> that would be a nightmare. 
Oh, um, we're actually just with things around COVID, we are experiencing a lot of food shortages where we live in, um, in Australia at the moment with in the supermarkets. But if you go to the farmer's market, there's an abundance of food. So befriend your farmer is what I would say. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Jenna, did you Um, grow broccoli this year? I did. Yeah, I I love to garden. And the thing about broccoli, I don't know if you, if either of you have ever grown it, but it's like one crown of broccoli per plant. So it's just not the most productive for like a home garden. I, I don't think I knew that before I grew it. I often just like throw seeds in the in the dirt and see what happens. And so I was like, Oh, I mean, this is great, but like cut it off, eat it. That was one meal. And now the plant's done. Yeah. It's not a, it's definitely not a cut and grow again. It's not super productive. I'm very passionate about in my garden being like, okay, if I, I, if it's only going to grow once, I'm not going to grow it because it's not going to replenish. Um, but I'll never forget with broccoli when I learned that broccolini is really just art like flowered broccoli that's just gone not stale but it's like overgrown and they sell it for more money (laughs) than what the actual broccoli is (laughs) I was like well I um, one of my exes was a farmer and um you know had worked in agriculture for like 25 years and when I, he told me that, I was like, it's what? He's like, we're not buying broccoli, a broccolini. I was like, but why? He's like, because it's the shitty part of the broccoli. And I was like, oh, okay. That's um, so funny. Very funny. But what would you also say, um, Jenna, because I know that a lot of people have really started to look into exploring broccoli sprouts, so sprouted broccoli. Mm. I know you've already mentioned about sprouts. Is this something that you would say, yes, 100%, let's jump that into the summer phase of our cycle? Yeah, totally. The thing about doing broccoli sprouts or Devin mentioned microgreens, um, the theory behind them, and I'm not like a botanist, but I feel like this is true, is that you're you're eating them when they're just like little tiny sprouts, like just a few inches tall. And because they're such small plants and they're in a really rapid period of growth, they're um, nutrient content is really high. So I think if you have access to them, you can buy them at the store, but you can also mm-hmm. grow them yourself. Um, mm. people, I know wheatgrass was like a huge trend, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago and everybody was growing it. And I, I kind of think microgreens are the new wheatgrass, but I think for good reason, I think, and I love putting them like on sandwiches or on top of a salad, um, even on top of a soup or anything like that. They're really versatile. Very versatile. And you can cook them or sorry, not cook them. You can grow them even if you just live in an apartment. I was going to say, you can grow them in your closet. When I lived, um, yeah, seriously, (laughs) when I lived in Washington, my husband and I lived on a farm, but he was starting to grow microgreens and he did it in like, it was like his closet, right? Like it was like a little closet in his, um, like when he first walked into his house, now he grows them and sells them at farmer's markets and, you know, but it was so cool. I was like, this is rad. You don't need that much space to grow these. And no. yeah, the, I mean, honestly, and even nutrients aside, they're, they're yummy. Like they have mm-hmm. a spice that goes pepper like taste to them. I just think that they're, yeah, they're like a fun little treat to add to a meal and they're easy. Mm-hmm. Like you said, mm, very they make easy it feel fancy. It's like, you always yeah, see them at restaurants. Exactly. It's like, oh, this is like so beautiful now. Cause I put some, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> this that's is such exactly. a $60 meal now. Yeah. <laughs> And you can put them on scramble too, Devon, which is great. Yeah. I'm interrupting this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my brand new signature membership program, the Well Woman Academy. Would you love to discover your own menstrual cycle, understand ovulation, master menstruation and live cyclically? Well, your menstrual cycle membership is here. The Well Woman Academy is a monthly membership where together we study menstrual cycles, cycle tracking, cycle rituals, contraception, the feminine, eating and moving through your cycle. Yep, it's the number one place to discover how to end cycle signs and PMS for good. For less than $2 a day each month, you'll access over 150 live self-paced educational classes and cyclical specific learning modules across a wide range of formats, including written, audio, video, and guided home study. Not to mention every membership gives back with the menstrual cups to menstruators in need thanks to our commitment with the COVA project. Join me and women from all over the world inside our private Facebook community and online learning portal as we awaken your cycle, reconnect your body and guide you to live in cyclical harmony. Learn more and join us at www.wellsome.com forward slash academy. All right, awesome. Let's move on to 
autumn, I think this is my most interesting phase for Mm -hmm. cyclical eating because Mm -hmm. women are so like, I will eat everything out of the pantry and nobody can stop me like that kind of atmosphere Mm -hmm. in this particular phase. Um, So I'm interested to hear from both of you what meals, way of cooking, nutrients do you think are really you know, great to introduce and transition to in your in autumn. So Jenna, we'll kick it off with you and then we'll come to you, Devin, because I'm sure you've got some great bakery stuff that you can share. So (laughs) Jenna, what do you have to say about that? So yeah, the luteal phase is interesting because it's the longest one. It's generally 12 to 16 days. And I like to think of it as kind of two parts. The first half is that's when our progesterone is rising. And so we still have a lot of energy left over, like Devin was saying, from ovulation and it's starting to wane, but like it's a transition from that summer to autumn feeling. And then in the second half, our progesterone declines. And that's generally when the cravings kick in. And if you experience um, symptoms related to your period, that's generally when they kick in. So nutritionally, I really like to focus on supporting our progesterone production, as well as supporting um, the, again, the elimination of excess estrogen. And ways of cooking, honestly, this one kind of depends for me because I, I often will want like warm, hearty meals, but then sometimes I do want something vibrant and fresh. And I think it's really because it's a long transitional time. I think it's just about listening to your body and what you're craving, what feels good, what you have the energy for. Um, you mentioned like people wanting to eat everything in the pantry and I know that feeling. No, no, no. I know that feeling so well. And so many people do. And I think there's a lot of shame around that because diet culture tells us like, we're not supposed to binge. We're not supposed to, you know, eat chips or whatever, but I, I just want people to maybe know why they have those cravings. So in the luteal phase, like I said, our progesterone is rising and, um, B vitamins actually help our progesterone production. So where can we find B vitamins in complex carbohydrates? So those are things like sweet potatoes, brown rice, oats, um, other types of whole grains and vegetables. But those things don't like, I'll just be honest, they don't taste as good as potato chips and donuts and things. So we often trick us with those things. (laughs) Exactly. We will crave those foods, but what our body is really wanting is those nutritious complex carbohydrates. So once you have this knowledge then you can say, oh, I'm, I'm craving carbs. What would be my best option? You know, what, what will satisfy me, but also help nourish my hormones. So this is where I love to cook like a sweet potato rice bowl or a burrito bowl or something just like really honestly kind of heavy and grounding and nourishing Mm -hmm. and a lot of food because I can eat a lot, especially during this phase. And I just embrace it. I just like give into my cravings because my body is working hard to make these hormones to prepare for my period. So that's, yeah, that's kind of my approach to the luteal phase. Your cravings rant. I love, I love it. it. Thank you. Yeah. I love it too. Um, Devin, I'm really looking forward to learning about what meals you and things you, because this is for me, autumn's like the baking time. Like I'm like, I'm going to bake totally. things. <laughs> yeah. Um, but bef- before we go there, I think that um, it's important to understand that carbs are not your enemy. And mm-hmm. I teach this inside the Well Women Academy, which is my menstrual cycle coaching group community, that carbohydrates are designed to hydrate you. That doesn't hydration isn't always water-based. And so it's really important to understand that carbs aren't your enemy. It's how you eat your carbs and the type of carbs. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a big difference between potato chips in a packet versus having mashed potato that you make yourself oh, at yeah. home. Yeah. Um, and one of the meals that I love to make and my partner's always, oh my God, can we make this meal? <laughs> is we kind of do like tacos, but it's like loaded sweet potato. So we bake the mm. potatoes in the oven and then we slice them through the middle so that it opens up like a taco shell. And then we load it up like it would be a taco. And so we get, well, I feel anyway, I get the warmth and the grounding of the sweet potato, sometimes also called a yam. But, and then it's, I make a a green papaya salad, like a coleslaw out of green papaya with Mm. tomato and red onion. And sometimes we saute mushrooms. Sometimes he puts meat in um, for him. And 
that for me is just like a mix of fresh and grounding all together. Oh my God, my mouth I'm is water. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the phrase I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, can you send this to me? I will. I'll, t- I'll send you both a photo next time I make it. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think that what you mentioned about having fresh and grounding foods together is important. And for everyone listening, just listen to your body. Your body will guide you with what you want to eat. And I think it's the same mm-hmm. when you're pregnant you really need to listen. Like just because they say you need to eat these foods at the fifth week of your pregnancy, it's more about tuning into how you feel. And that's the benefit of cyclical living is really like tuning in. Um, So Devin, what are they for you? Your premenstrual, in-order foods. I'm sure you've got a whole list of baking. Give us the rundown. Um, Really quick before I do that, I want to say I love that message too, especially because... Uh, we don't always like in the, in the first five weeks of being pregnant, like you often feel like shit. So you're not going to reach for the healthier foods, you know, like you, you might, but like, it's, that's not always the case. And I agree kind of what Jenna was saying, like to take the shame out of, you know, like I eat French fries, I think for every meal in the first like two and a half months I was pregnant and I'm good with that. Um, Cause I did what I had to do with myself. My body wanted that. Um, So I just, I love that message because again, in a world where we are so, um, we get pulled so easily, understandably to like trends and what, and again, feeling like we have to fix something. It's just so nice to come back to this place of like, it's all good. Let's just listen to ourselves and allow that to be enough. Anyway, moving on to food. Um, (laughs) So what are, So first of all, you mentioned you like to bake during this time. I think that that makes total sense because progesterone is also the, um, agenda on my right, it's a nesting hormone. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you want to nest you. That's how I feel too. Um, I want, I call it the the get shit done hormone. It's like when you open the the cutlery drawer in your kitchen, you're like, Oh, it's a bit dirty. I'll clean that. And then all of a sudden the whole kitchen be like (laughs) reformulated. And and then your partner comes home and is like, what are you doing? Like nothing. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. And it's like three hours later, like, what'd you do today? And you're like, I just, yeah, I got, I took I got I shit done. the kitchen with the yeah. toothbrush. What did yeah. you do? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I very much, I totally can relate to that. And I personally, this is my favorite phase as complex as it is. And as like kind of um, complex and also just like, it can be feel a little jarring because as Jenna said, like it, you are going, it's a longer transition and you are going from this like very vibrant feeling to more of a slower introspective um, place. I really appreciate it. I just think it's, I mean, I'm an introspective person, so that's probably why. Um, but I also really love having this longer transition to have some of those fresh foods and some of those more heartier foods. For me, I always gear towards um, carbs. So something I learned too is that um, as this, in the second part of the luteal phase, our, as our hormones dip, that's when our serotonin and dopamine dip as well. And I feel that, um, pretty intensely, especially since having a baby actually. And so I almost always crave, um, carbs. It's just, it's like probably my biggest craving. So I will lean into sweet potatoes. So we have a sweet potato brownie, as I mentioned earlier, moon cycle. Um, and I love them. I I definitely stock up on them during this phase and I eat sweet potatoes in other ways as well. Um, I also really love pumpkin. So it's another complex carb. Um, it's high in vitamin B, zinc. Um, I'm sure there's other nutrients in there as well, but it's, it's one of my favorites. And I, I'll make, we have a recipe for this, but I'll make, um, like pumpkin based oat cookies with dark chocolate in them, or I'll throw pumpkin into, um, a soup actually really good as well. So I like, again, I like experimenting with the different ways of using them. Um, but pumpkin's one of my go-to's. Um, and so is, we have this recipe, it's sausage and a bok choy with apples. And that is, Yum. yeah, it is, it, I mean, talk about grounding yeah. and, and you could, you could do this with any meat. You could do this, you know, even I'm sure with like, um, like plant-based meats, you know, like it's, it's yeah. more lentils. Of, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's yep. more of, um, that 
that grounding energy. Like I make that recipe and I feel like I sink into my couch at the end of the night. So um, yeah, that's one of my favorites as well. That's what you want to do in autumn. You want to sink <laughs> oh, yeah. deep into your couch yeah. and become yeah. part of the, the ensemble. 100%. <laughs> I just said to my husband earlier today, I'm like, I just want to put a blanket around my shoulders and over my head and just sit on the couch yeah. for a little. And you was like, like, okay. Out of your autumns. That's yeah. perfect alignment. Like, <laughs> oh, I've loved all of these seasonal phase, like for every phase of this, um, the cycle tips. These are great. Um, I think it would be really wonderful to like share a little bit more about your book and like what you include in the book and what the book actually is because I feel that for some people when it comes to eating they like to have something to follow Mm I used to be like this but having been in the food industry for like god what is it like 17 years now I really like intuitive everything so I don't Mm -hmm. use recipes I'm just like but I like guidance I'm like oh yeah this this and this okay I have those things I can just give it a go um, I do fuck a lot of stuff up though, excuse the language. <laughs> um, but before you, you share in the book, I just wanted to say pumpkin is like one of those versatile foods like broccoli. You can use it mm-hmm. in so many ways. Yeah. And to give, to help with the shame and giving permission to everyone, like I said, yesterday was day 15 of my cycle. Today is day 16. I taught until eight o'clock last night. Then I hadn't eaten and I had some leftover pot veggies. My partner's obsessed with these pot veggies that I do. And it's all just orange stuff, literally. (laughs) Sweet potato, carrot, pumpkin. I put some zucchini in, um, onions, garlic, all that stuff. And we had it left over and it wasn't a lot. And I was like, what am I going to do? And I just wanted to feel grounded and kind of do the sink into my bed before you know, I wanted to put myself to sleep with carbs, basically. Yeah, totally. And so I literally just boiled up a quarter of a cup of pasta and then I just chucked the mushy veggies in, put some spinach in, mixed it around with turmeric, oil, pepper, salt. And that was a whole meal out of smushed left- leftovers. And it just goes to show that, hey, that's not really in alignment with summer eating, you know, having mm-hmm. fresh foods. And I'm like, I just want to sink into the couch. But that's just, <laughs> I shared that really briefly just to let everyone know that it's okay to not eat exactly to alignment. Mm-hmm. The best alignment is living in tune with your body. So just honor how you feel and trust yourself. So thank you well, for sharing. I think, I think you bring up the best point that food goes beyond just our bodies, right? Like it is an emotional like soulful experience. And so, yeah, sometimes we are eating emotionally and that's okay. Like we, we can mm-hmm. work to shed that stigma um, because that is really beautiful as well. It's, it's more of that holistic look. And you touch on that in the book, don't you, about the value of emotional health and understanding emotionally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. I mean, we, we are really big believers that um, that, that's all connected. So again, especially with food, when oftentimes we are told not to eat emotionally, you know, like if you, well, you're just emotionally eating, right. That gets a bad, um, stigma. And I understand, you know, if you're reaching for things that if you're not, if you're emotionally eating in a way that's taking you out of tune with your body and it's, it's kind of this, um, it's just associating you with being in your intuitive mind, then I get that. But in a way where, you know, it's like, well, I want a cookie because I want to celebrate or I want to eat carbs because I had a long day and I just want to like be cozy. That's, that is something we really work to. um, Yeah. Like we really want people to embrace that, that side of eating. That's, that's a big part of who we are. Mm, Yeah. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing. I think a lot of us are very disconnected with that and we're in the masculine patriarchy style way of living. We're like, okay, this is what I've got to do. This is on my shopping list. I have to eat all these foods because they're in the fridge and I need to have the same thing every single day. And we live in that very male dominated, this is nothing against males, but like male dominated way of living with food. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure both of you, you've mentioned about your husband's, you know, they could just eat the same meal kind of all the time. Maybe not, maybe not a chef. I know chefs might like. No, he totally could. He totally could because he he's getting the joy of cooking for like Already. me or my yeah like yeah, so yeah. He, it's almost like he gets the joy of cooking for us and then he's like I'll just have like a, a peanut butter and jelly and I'm like what on toast yeah I'm like wait come on you have to eat this it's so good yeah and many of us live like that and I think now that menstrual cycle awareness and cyclical eating is out there 
we're starting as menstruators to kind of clue in to be like, oh, so it's okay if all of a sudden that diet thing I was trying to do, I'm like, oh, I just want potato now. And yeah. it's, it's okay to, to like move through that. So thank you Absolutely. so much for sharing about that. So yeah. give me a rundown, um, Jenna, on the book and what's included in the book. Um, what's your favorite aspect of the book? And then I'll come to you, Devin, to find out where we can get the book. Yeah. So the Moon Cycle Cookbook, it's uh, that's the title and it's a holistic nutrition guide for a well-balanced cycle. So we take all of the information that we talked about today. We look at the science of each phase of the cycle and we break down what's happening physiologically and how that impacts our hormones, our energy, our emotions. And then we give lots of tips and tricks we have 80 recipes in the book. So there's 20 for each phase and they are tailored to those nutritional fluctuations. And then Devin also wrote these incredible rituals. So there's, I think five per phase to help you tap into your emotional and mental well-being as well and embrace your cyclical self. And I think my favorite part of the book is we talk a lot about not being dogmatic and I'm huge into an, into intuitive eating and Although we created this cookbook with all of these recommendations, I just hope that everyone walks away like learning, learning how to get in touch with their body, but then make it their own. Like you're saying, Mm. I don't cook with recipes personally. I just will look like, okay, yeah, like you said, I have these items. I'm just going to go for it. And I hope that people can do that after reading our book and using it for a little while and they can tap into their own wants and desires and then say, oh, I'm in my ovulation phase. I know what types of foods support this. I'm going to go create something that I find delicious. So I just love that we put that at the very beginning of the book to encourage people to tap into themselves. Our book is not hopefully like it doesn't come across as a trend. It's, it's that framework to help you better understand yourself. Mm-hmm. That's a, well such a beautiful way to hear like it's a framework, not a way of living mm-hmm. like that has to be done to a T because you just need some, ideals of okay so this is this and this is that and this is that okay how do I just create it and I guess like Devin I'd love to hear your insights kind of like baking you have a wet mix and you have a dry mix and all that's like that's the foundation you just need to know that the two have to mix together Mm -hmm. and then go create your own wet mix and go create your own dry mix and then see what totally yeah absolutely yeah and I think um I think it's also again like that we are creative beings by nature. Again, like the, the whole point of a cycle is there is a, there is a chance to be creative in every new season in a new way. I mean, even just like right now we're in winter and I'm going outside and I'm constantly amazed at ways that I'm connecting in this season with my son because he's seeing it through a whole set of new eyes and I am. And I think that's basically how we want the book to be too. You know, it's something that you come back to. It's something that it, it feels like kind of a conversation with a friend. Um, not only are you learning and is the education accessible, but it's also something that's just grounding and, and simple. And like we said, you know, in the very beginning, it's ancient, it's, it's passed down from generation to generation. And it's something that deserves to continue to be celebrated and acknowledged. So yeah, I agree with Jenna. I hope that that is what people walk away from when they read this. Amen. I hope so too. So where can they find the book? (laughs) So you can find the book where all, uh, where you buy your book. So Um, we actually on our website, we have a page for the book and we have on there all the retailers, um, in the UK and Australia, um, in the U S and then we also have them on our site so you can purchase them on our site. And I think we have a 20% discount for listeners. Um, I believe it's, I uh, I have seen that in the show notes. Yeah. 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 I think it's a wellsome 20 yeah, which is perfect. Thank you so much for offering that. So everyone who's listening, um, I hope that this inspires you to start exploring how to eat cyclically and looking at how you eat already in your each of your four phases. And then how could you change it up to be in a little bit more alignment, get the book and learn about it. I think it's like one of the best things that you can do for like creating a good foundation. And it's not just for you, it's for your family and it's for the future generations. So this is the kind of the wisdom that I wish my grandmother had have taught me. 
you know how like your grandmother teaches you how to make like the best meringue pie but <laughs> not that my grandmother ever taught me how to do that but <laughs> but like that was just the first thing that came to my mind but like you know those those beautiful family rituals and traits that are passed through the generations by you learning about this it's going to do that so thank you so much for putting the book together um we are pretty much out of time but I have a final um, podcast question for both of you um so I'm going to come to you first Jenna so Devin you get a bit of time to think about this I ask every I ask every guest this I would love to hear from you Jenna what are three things you wish you had have known when you started menstruating so think back to when you were nine when you started menstruating what are three things you wish you had have known then that you now know today oh man um I think the first one would be there is nothing shameful about a period. Like there's nothing that you have to hide about it there. You know, I didn't want my, I told my mom, but I did not want her to tell my dad. And I think she did. Like I found that out later, but I just was so embarrassed that he was going to find out. And there was no reason why he never, you know, he wasn't weird about it. So that's my number one. There's no shame. Um, two, uh, I think, so I started using a menstrual cup a few years ago, and I wish I knew about that when I was younger, not right when I started my period, but like when I was in my late teens, wish I knew about that instead of tampons for, it's just a much preferred way for me. Um, mm-hmm. And it's so much better for the planet if you can make it work. So that's number two and number three. Oh, tricky. Um, don't be afraid to talk about it with your friends. I think that that's, because there's so much shame around it, at least when we were growing up, I didn't even talk about it with my girlfriends for years. And I think if we would have been talking about it sooner, we would have been able to share, oh, this is my experience with these symptoms. How do you feel on your period? And we would have been able to help each other like, oh, that's not really normal. Like maybe you should get help for that. Or, oh yeah, I experience that every month or whatever. But just um, just talk about it because it's a natural part of life. It's a beautiful beautiful part of life that we should hopefully embrace hands down a beautiful part of life and we all exist because of a period so celebrate it (laughs) thank you they're beautiful beautiful tips um what about you Devin what are three things you wish you had known when you started menstruating that you now know today um, number one, I would agree. Uh, first off for me was, I wish I knew how to talk about it. So, um, I wish I knew not only how, but like, how do you, I wish I had more information, I guess, basically, I wish I had, I had more accessibility to education and, and information that felt empowering and felt relatable. And it didn't feel like I, I could only talk to my mom about it. Um, or it was, it was talked about under like, you know, in hush, hush tones. So I wish that was, that was number one. I wish that I did understand a little bit more of what was going on in my body. I think that maybe that goes back to the education, but, um, I had awful cramps and luckily I had a mom who helped me learn how to self-soothe, but Mm. I just wish I understood what was happening so that I could address it. Um, whether that was through food or, um, you know, any acupuncture exercise, whatever it was that I needed. I wish I just had more information and education there. Um, and I wish I, I mean, I really did have this. It just, again, I think that we, like, I have to remember like generationally, my mom felt the same shame. My grandma felt this, you know, none of them talked about it. It was something that was just, you just pushed through. Yep. Mm. Exactly. Zipped up. Um, yep. And I wish that I realized how powerful it was. Like, I wish that I really had a desire to create a relationship within myself and with it. Um, I read somewhere that having a relationship with your period is a form of resistance. Um, And I really love that because I just, that feels so empowering as a woman or a menstruator to be like, this is within me and I can embrace it when the whole world, you know, is kind of hoping that I don't because there's so much power that lies within it. Um, so yeah, I wish I realized how powerful it really was. I wish I had all these things too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, thank you so much for sharing. This helps everyone learn a little bit more about who you are and your desires and your own personal experiences. So thank you. 
Now, Janet, quickly tell us, how can people find out about the, the Moon Cycle Cookbook, the Moon Cycle Bakery? How can they connect and find you? What's the best platform for that? Yeah, so you can learn more about our cookbook at mooncyclebakery.com. You can also follow Moon Cycle Bakery on Instagram. That's the handle. Um, you can learn more about me and my work at jennabbasics.com um, and jennabbasics on Instagram. Awesome. What about for you, Devin? Um, you can follow me at Devin Loftus Wright on Instagram and TikTok. Amazing. Well, I'm going to pop all of those links in the show notes, including the discount code Wilson 20 for the cookbook. Thank you so much for offering that to everyone who's tuning yeah. in. Um, I've in, thoroughly enjoyed having you on the show, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us and talking about cyclical eating and inspiring a new relationship with food for women who are menstruators and have a menstrual cycle. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us, Gemma. This was amazing. Yeah, this was so fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women Podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect, and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together we can all live in flow, harmony and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body and remember, Body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.